Julie. And I'm Lisa. And together we are Two Sober Chicks. Thanks for joining us in our series of 11 podcasts, each one specifically geared up to talk about an individual step. Yes. Except for six and seven, which we talked about both. Yes. So we are on step 11. Mm-hmm. Step 11 is the second in the maintenance steps. Maintenance steps are 10, 11, 12. And step 11 reads, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. I forgot only, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. A simplified translation is work to maintain my connection to this power greater than myself so I can continue growing spiritually and the spiritual principle is living spiritually. Okay. Now, interesting to note, in the original manuscript, which I have in my hands right now, which we got when we went to Dr. Bob's house, yep, very step 11 reads, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our contact with God praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. So as we understood, him was added in and um, conscious contact was added in. So I like having my hands on the original manuscript. And I should point out right at the bottom, Lisa and I almost fell out of our chairs at this one. Um, (laughs) After sort of like, because that comes in chapter five, how it works, this is where you read the steps. And then after the steps, you have like the ABCs, which are like A, that you are alcoholic and cannot manage your own lives. B, that probably no human power could have relieved our alcoholism. And C, that God could and would if he were sought. But the line that follows that reads, if you are not convinced on these vital issues, you ought to reread the book to this point or else throw it away. (laughs) Yes. The old timers are the best. It's so in your face. I was going to videotape it, but I couldn't get it in time. I thought that would be a good live event on Instagram. And also to, you know, do some live video of that, of that book. That is of course not the original manuscript that sold for like what? $1.2 million at a Sotheby's auction. Yes. So this is a scanned copy of the original manuscript, which you can buy at Dr. Bob's house. What did we pay for this? $40? I don't remember, but... It is, um, we, I would gratefully acknowledge the person who does own it because they could have said no. Yeah. Um, so they did allow, was it, was it, um, Dr. Bob's organization or was it Hazleton that they allowed to do a copyright on that too? Good question. Anyway, doesn't matter. You can find it at Dr. Bob's Hazelden. house. Hazleton. Um, who we've talked about before, a great, um, AA based. Largest nonprofit addiction research foundation and publishing house yeah. in North America. And we like a lot of their stuff. Yeah. We appreciate them. So step 11 is my favorite, by the way. Okay. And because it's, of God. You know what? It's interesting to me. When you read the step, I thought, ooh, that's one way where Julie and I differ. And so read the step again. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. So, and I'm thinking about how we pray differently. Yes, we do. Yes. And the word is only. Praying only for knowledge of his will for us. Right. So that's how I pray, because that's how the big book of Alcoholics Ah, Anonymous mm -hmm. taught me how to pray. 
because when I came to Alcoholics Anonymous, and well, and it's not that uh, one is right and one is wrong. Mm-hmm. Julie um, belongs to a religion, religion, a religious organization, a religion, and so she's taught a specific way to pray, and she believes in petitioning that God can be petitioned yes. and swayed. So yes. where I have difficulty with that as the crazy alcoholic, when I did pray before I came to Alcoholics Anonymous, I did petition God, but it was usually for all the things that I wanted. Mm-hmm. So, and I was the type of person who didn't know what was good for me, right? So I was praying for, to get the girl. I was praying to get the job. I was praying to, you know, for sick people to get well. And then when they didn't, then I hated God. Then okay. I was angry at God mm-hmm. for not doing what I thought was promised. Well, if I pray, if I petition you, if I ask for help, then you're going to give it. So that's why for me, that line is very important to, for me as this alcoholic, Mm -hmm. I need to pray only for the knowledge and understanding of what is God's will for me. Right. Um, so that I can better understand that. And it helps me be, um, a less selfish, self-centered person, less self-seeking. And it also keeps me kind of on the straight and narrow where I don't confuse my wants with my Mm -hmm. needs Mm -hmm. and what is right for me. Well, that's contained in the Lord's prayer, right? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Not my will, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um... And then that's another difference for me too. I still have trouble hearing that prayer um, at meetings, which we've talked about this before, um, because I don't have a problem with the serenity prayer, which is really short. But which is both, more Christian, actually. They're both Christian, right? So, uh-huh. Actually, the original of the serenity prayer mentions Jesus, whereas if you think about it, the Our Father is actually not a Christian prayer. It's a Jewish prayer. Jesus okay. told us how to pray to the Father, and Jesus was Jewish. Okay. So it's really cool to get into, I like semantics and facts mm-hmm. like that, but everybody's welcome to have their own feelings and opinions on yeah. what that is, right? But over the years, once I opened up my mind, that's one of those things that they talk about a lot in meetings, you know, have an open mind, have the willingness. I have to let go of my resentment over things like religion mm-hmm. and the prayers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've picked apart the prayers and I've found wonderful uses in the prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't bother me the way it used to bother me, but I still don't say it because if there's someone else in the meeting that is struggling and they hear the Lord's prayer and they're all pissed off, they're not going to be standing there with their eyes closed saying the Lord's prayer. They're going to be standing there with their eyes open. And I hope that they see me. And then I hope they come up to me afterwards and say, oh, I saw you didn't say the Lord's prayer either. I don't, I don't believe in that stuff either. And then a we can, fellow heathen. And then we can have a conversation <laughs> about it. Yeah. And then, you know, I can, and I might be the person who might help bring them to a faith. Yeah. Uh, of their own choosing. Yeah. So it's one of the reasons why I like it. But I do, I like this step a lot as well. I love it because step 11 is a deeper invitation to get to know your creator, which for me is a very sacred process. So whatever your higher power is, this is where you really get to be in daily relationship and find out what your higher powers will for you is or really build a foundation there. I went to a retreat last weekend. By the way, any men men or women that um, would either drive to Pickering, which is in Ontario, from the States or elsewhere, 
They have for men seven 12-step retreats a year and for women four. I happen to captain the one in December. It's a really great retreat. I believe retreats are a huge part of step 11. And the um, so you can email us or you can search it yourself, Manresa, M-A-N-R-E-S-A. It's a Jesuit spiritual retreat center. Um, and you can look them up online. I am in their promotional video, by the way. Um, <laughs> But the retreat leader that came and led that retreat on the weekend, he said that for him, step 11 is looking at it like something saved my life and now I want to get to know that something better. And I absolutely loved how he framed that. Mm. I thought that was really cool because that's what happens in step 11. Mm. And step 11 talks about prayer and meditation, which are two very different things. Mm -hmm. So whether you're praying, which is usually asking, or meditating, which is usually listening, I believe both are important to discern what we're supposed to be doing according to our higher power, how we can carry that out. I absolutely love step 11. And if you want to look at it from a purely scientific point of view, there's all kinds of amazing research about how meditation benefits people. Changes your brain and your um, parasympathetic nervous system, which is responsible for anxiety responses, mm -hmm. depression, yes, um, panic, all those other things. Which... I, have, I have a family member who suffers from extreme PTSD from mm -hmm. the things that he's seen and witnessed in his life. And uh, he's doing meditation now. He does nightly meditation before bed. Good. Um, and it is, is helping him. Yeah. Um, so it's proven that it helps. So if you want to look at it from that scientific point, it's really about, um, for me too, I think it's about disconnecting with this crazy lizard brain of mine. Absolutely. The one that's been running the show mm -hmm. very badly for years and, um, and trying to tap into something greater. So, yeah. um, and for me too, it was about, again, another step where I had to do what I was told instead of what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Because it, again, it's about letting go of what I think is right and what I think is going to work because, I mean, my thoughts and feelings got me here. So it was another opportunity for me to shut up and listen and do what I was told. Yeah. And uh, when I started to pray, I did not believe in it. I did not believe it was it would work. And I actually said that probably with a, I don't know why you're making me do this. This is so stupid. Mm -hmm. This isn't going to work. Uh, I don't even believe in God. To which my sponsor replied, I didn't ask you to believe in anything. Did yeah. I say that? I asked you to pray. Oh, I love it. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yes. He always had a very short answer for all of my rebuttals, and that would be one of them. I didn't ask you to believe in anything. I just asked you to do a simple thing, like ask something outside of yourself for help. That's all you have to do. You don't have to believe in it. Just do it. Mm-hmm. And so, and through this practice, eventually things started to shift and unexplainable things started to shift. Things happened in my life. You know, I had answers coming to me that I'd never had before. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of like, uh, you know, they talk a lot about the key to willingness and opening the door. And I believe that for me, prayer and meditation definitely opened that door. Whereas I yeah. had a, a giant fortress wall up. How could anything get in and help me? I wasn't willing to listen. Yeah. I had to open a window, open a door mm -hmm. to let something in to listen. And, you know, if this sounds a lot like step three, it's because it is. The steps are all tethered to each other, but a lot of the steps have sister steps. So, like, step three and step 11 are 
tethered, just like we discussed in the last podcast, four and 10 are tethered. Mm -hmm. So this is why you also do them in order because without a step three, you can't do a step 11 because step 11 is building on that relationship that you decided to say, I'm going to try and trust you and hand everything over to you. Mm -hmm. So this is like the next level of step three. And step 11 too is the step that will ensure you don't go into burnout because if you're spending time praying and meditating with your higher power, you're spending time, like we just talked about, with like relaxation, tuning in with your breath, going outside of yourself. And often mm-hmm. we go into burnout because we're too overworked. We don't have enough silence. We don't go inwards. Like if you love contemplative spirituality, step 11 is your wheelhouse. I love step 11. Yep. And it doesn't have to be a Christian thing. It can be in nope. any kind of thing that speaks to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can't, and this is coming from somebody who is a Christian. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> and somebody who, me, still doesn't know what the fuck I am, but that's okay. Beloved is what you are. Thank you. You're welcome. I still pray and I still ask for help and I still try to reflect and think about things. And it has helped me so much, mm-hmm. mainly just by slowing me down a little bit. Mm-hmm. So. And I think people have a misconception that meditation is for, you're just supposed to be peaceful, but meditation is about being with the discomfort and your fears and all the voices and pulling yourself back from them. Like, uh, I'm supposed to do this. Yep, I hear you and I see you, but we're going to go into silence. But what about this? Yep, I totally know that that's there. It's trying to quiet down the inner committee because you can't do prayer and contemplation without solitude and silence. Yeah, don't give up when you first start to meditate because your brain will hijack you. Totally. And it, it will not shut the fuck up. No, it's such a pain in the ass. So one of the things that I first learned in early meditation was you basically just said it, except I would actually say the word thinking, so I would just identify. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, thinking, just acknowledge it. Yep, that's a thought. Bring it back to breath and then Mm -hmm. go back to your breath. And another Mm -hmm. thought would come. Thinking, I would be saying thinking in my head like every two seconds, if not more. Um, But eventually that got less and less and less. Another thing, I I just had a therapist appointment this morning and my therapist was trying to do a body scan and and then we got, she's like, so thoughts on the body scan? I'm like, yep, I think that's fucking stupid and it doesn't work for me. (laughs) She said, I love your honesty, Lisa. Oh, bless her heart. (laughs) I'm like, you will always get that from me now. Mm -hmm. I wasted far too much money seeing therapists and telling them lies. Uh (laughs) You're getting nothing but the truth mm-hmm. and then I talked about what did work for me so I said you know I the breathing works for me it helps to slow me down it helps to um, eradicate some of these crazy you know I can have 15 thoughts and it helps me come down to one or no thoughts which is amazing I have trouble imagining my breath going into my my pelvic what she call it I don't know what she pelvic, pelvic bowl Wow. or my solar plexus. I don't even know what that fucking looks like. How can I imagine it? Yeah. Um, so then we talked about another possibility about putting my hand then on these parts so that I could actually feel as I breathe. Yeah. So, I find that really effective. Like breathe into your belly, put your hand on your belly so you yeah. can feel it. So because I'm open-minded and I'm willing, I'm going to try that. Even though there's yeah. my lizard brain is going, that's not going to fucking work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I will try that. But, you know, not every form of meditation works. No. So don't give up. I had to start, I couldn't go for silence in the beginning because it would give me a panic attack. So I would have to have guided meditations that also had nature sounds. 
And then eventually it was without guided meditation and it was nature sounds and music. And now it depends on where I am emotionally, what works and what doesn't. Um, But now I'm comfortable just sitting and looking out at falling snow and talking to God and stuff. But you know what else I like? Um, You know, when we did step one and we lit the candles, I love listening. You do. You're a candle lighter. I am a candle lighter and I love listening to the flicker of a flame. I have a beautiful beeswax candle that came from Montreal. It's in an old maple syrup tin. I don't know where it came from. Yeah. And that thing kicks off such a noise. It's incredible. Yeah. It's like the wood wick candles It's amazing. It's just, I love the sound and I can sit and listen to that for a good 15, 20 minutes. No problem. That's why I love the crackling fireplace channel. People think I'm joking when I say it's my favorite channel. Just listening to the cracks and the pops and the hisses Mm. and watching the flames. And for me, the best part of the fire is watching the log that's burning and seeing the pieces fall down. I don't know what it is. (laughs) It's just like, I love that Mm. so much. So So if you are in a place where you have a, you know, a fireplace, maybe you could set your little Instagram camera up and you could take a live video for us and you could link it (laughs) and you could do that for us. And we could be there meditating with you. Our new um, profile picture. Yeah. Oh wait, I don't think it's on iPodcast yet. I was going to ask you about that. Um, Is us sitting in front of a fire. Yeah. So if you are a follower on iTunes or SoundCloud, I believe what you have to do is go to your podcast system and refresh it because it's refreshed on mine, but not on yours. So I I forget how I did that. Have you refreshed it? So you have... Oh, whoop. (laughs) So, okay, we'll do this off the air, but... Anyways, yes. we have our new profile picture, and it was funny because when we were taking it, it was at our friend's Thanksmas, yeah. which is our closest sisters in sobriety, mm-hmm. and one of the sisters was like, it looks like you're a couple, and um, Lisa said, well, that's funny because it's not your picture, <laughs> <laughs> and I loved it, and then Lisa said, well, do you want to retake it, and I'm like, no, I would love for people to think we're a couple, <laughs> like my family already does, so. Oh, yeah. Well, because her reaction was strong, and I thought, well, you know, maybe you're just trying to be polite to me. So I thought I wanted to give you the opportunity to retake no, it. Because, yes, we are it. holding hands, yes. and we're in front of the fire. We did it because we thought it was funny. I love it. <laughs> we're, we're heartmates, so. You did point out, totally off topic, though, that why is it that in society, if we're just holding hands with someone, that means we're a couple? Yeah. Like, why can't that mean we're friends? Yeah. But. I would love to see more men hold hands. Aww. I think the world would be a kinder, softer place if they had a little bit of gentle touch like that. Yeah, you know? I agree. And it's so. And I guess the other reason why I liked your response was because how many people do I have I come in contact with where they're like, oh yeah, but I'm not gay. They immediately have to throw up this disclaimer. If you have to throw up the disclaimer, there's some discomfort there. You might want to investigate that. Yeah. (laughs) Why is that? We actually joked about me bringing Lisa over for Christmas at my house because my grandmother (laughs) saw the picture and was like a little upset and talked to my cousin about it. And I was like, oh my God, can I just bring you over for Christmas? I'm not even going to say a word. (laughs) That'd be so fun. Yeah. Be awesome. Devious, but I have to work. Alas, (sighs) I am working. So I cannot go. Anyways, back to 11. I think you were going to read something, weren't you? I was going to read something, but see, my glasses are in the car, so um, let's see. The biggest thing, let's see, I have things like will of our creator, sunlight, 
meditation is our step out into the sun. These are just Mm -hmm. random things that I have highlighted. Um, As the body can fail its purpose for lack of nourishment, so can the soul. We all need the light of God's reality, the nourishment of his strength, and the atmosphere of his grace. To an amazing extent, the facts of AA, life confirms this ageless truth. Oh, I love it. That plays upon um, what I have said before, which is there's no limit to your spiritual development or relationship with God. As long as you're alive, it can grow and become bigger and more loving. And it doesn't mean you don't go through hard times. But in the inverse, there is a limit to where our addiction can take us, and it's death. So feeding one results in a very concrete end of our life, and feeding the other makes us live a higher and better and more amazing life. Yeah. I, I talk about that a lot in my talk, you know, in the first eight years that I was around Alcoholics Anonymous, I was around it on the outside, on the periphery, and I wasn't doing the things that were suggested. And this is one of the things that I refused to do was pray. Mm. Absolutely. And just, I just kept tripping up and life kept, you know, not, not working out for me. And then the last time I came in six years ago, I started to do all of the things that were suggested because that was my sponsor's caveat. Yes, I will take you back. Yes, I will continue to sponsor you if you do the things that are suggested. But he was more blunt. You do what I tell you to do. (laughs) He was old school, big book (laughs) from the manuscript. (laughs) Yeah, Do what you're told. Um, And I also have this highlight because I didn't know how to pray. I used this and I prayed right from the book. So I love that prayer. You know, in the morning from here. Yep. Yep. Lord, make me a channel of thy peace. I say this all the time. Um, That where there is hatred, I may bring love. That where there is wrong, I may bring the spirit of forgiveness. That where there is discord, I may bring harmony. And that where there is error, I may bring truth. That where there is doubt, I may bring faith. That where there is despair, I may bring hope. That where there are shadows, I may bring light. That where there is sadness, I may bring joy. Lord, grant that I may seek rather to comfort Mm. than to be comforted, to understand than to be understood, to love than to be loved. For it is by self-forgetting that one finds. It is by forgiving that one is forgiven. It is by dying that one awakens to eternal life. Um, There's so many amazing parts to that that prayer. For me, one of the biggest ones was learning to... um, seek to comfort rather, rather than, than be, be comforted. comforted. Yeah. Cause that was a big thing for me. I was always seeking for somebody else to take care of me, somebody to love me. If mm-hmm. only, you know, I'd find the perfect mm-hmm. partner. And, and oftentimes I think I did find pretty amazing partners, but then all of a sudden it wasn't enough for me. So I'd move mm-hmm. on to the next one, always seeking, always seeking outside of myself when really I needed to get still and I needed to listen to what was already there innate knowledge yeah you if well that is the prayer of saint francis so you can google that or if you have a 12 and 12 you can find it in step 11 on page 99 good good eyesight thank you sarah (laughs) mclaughlin actually i think sang that song the words of that song as well Oh, did she a canadian yes us canadians are so amazing Let's see, what else do I have highlighted here? There's nothing the matter with constructive imagination. All sound achievement rests upon it. After all, no man can build a house until he first envisions a plan for it. 
Well, meditation is like that too. It helps to envision our spiritual objective before we try to move forward, move toward it. So let's get back to that sunlit beach or to the plains or to the mountains if you prefer. Mm. That's nice. That's a really cool meditation technique. Imagining yourself and all of your senses. Mm -hmm. Like you're in a valley and you see a mountain. What do you smell? This is a really good exercise for anxiety too. Mm -hmm. It's usually, I can't remember what it's called. I think it's called like five, four, three, two, one. Like name five things you see, four things you hear, three things you smell. But like imagining yourself in the place what the brook sounds like are there birds is there wind through the grass are you feeling it what does it feel like that's a really good anti-anxiety trick if you're feeling completely overwhelmed Mm -hmm. because you get yourself out of your head and into your body um that's why physical touch can be so healing and can arrest like an anxiety attack so even just like putting your hand on your chest or holding your own hand or rubbing your own face like these are all things that are good meditative tools because they calm the body down. I'm just reading this line, but I'm having trouble with my vision. Can you start here and read this? I think this is a good one. It's the one just before what I just read. When such thoughts break in, we might recall a little ruefully how much store we used to set by imagination, how much store we used to set by imagination as it tried to create reality out of bottles. I don't, I even know what that means. Yes, we reveled in that sort of thinking, didn't we? And though sober nowadays, we don't often try to do much the same thing. Perhaps our trouble was not that we used our imagination. There's nothing that, oh, and then you just read there's nothing that I think it's talking about like how when we drank, we used to dream great dreams of grandeur and make Mm -hmm. things up. So why can't we do that in, in our sober life? And it's hard. It's yeah. At first, it's quite hard. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of the thing we miss when we get sober. You know, we had these I, yeah, these mm-hmm. ideas of grandiosity when we drank. You know, we all. I've heard it said. I've said it myself. We felt like we were stronger, better looking, better dancers, better lovers when we drank. Had better goals, things we were gonna do. Oh yes. And then, but you never got your ass off the bar stool. You were always thinking about all these wonderful things you were gonna do. But yeah. Most of them were fancied, not real. Um, Not the best use of your imagination. But really, the truth of that, all of those are lies. The truth of sobriety is that anything we want to do, we can now do. Mm -hmm. We really can. It's unlimited to us as long as we stay sober. Yeah. I haven't gone to New York yet, but I do have written here in the back of my 12 and 12 ideas of fun. It's interesting to me because that means that I didn't know. Um, oh, look, we should be done now. <laughs> no, oh, our own podcast is telling us to wrap it up. <laughs> it's time to wrap it up. The extra just started. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, okay. I guess that's it for us. Okay, goodbye. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I didn't know what fun was. So um, I had to write it down in my book, some ideas of what fun could be. Okay. Because I remember when I first came into the program, I said to my sponsor, I'm never going to have any fun mm-hmm. ever again. If I can't drink, my life is over. My life is ruined. And I actually believed that mm-hmm. because all the fun ideas I had were a revolving around or associated with drinking. And so I had to actually make a physical list mm-hmm. that, oh, I get that there is things that you can do that are fun that don't involve alcohol. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my list though, I'd look at it and go, well, I did that drunk and I did that drunk and I did that drunk, but I do all these things now. 
Sober. Yeah, sober. And they are fun. They are fun. Like when I told a sponsee that one day you'll play cards and board games and you'll find that fun and you won't need to get drunk to do it. It'll be amazing. All right. Okay, we're done. We're done. Step 11, on to step 12. The big finale, the big finish. It's on the way next with Julie and Lisa on our podcast, Two Sober Chicks. Thanks a lot for joining us. Bye.